Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, such a wonderful sense of God's presence here this morning. And God bless you, it's so good to see you all. There's nothing like being in God's presence, is there? You can't beat it. You can't beat it. And we just thank the Lord that he's here, that the Holy Spirit is here. And God does indeed inhabit the praises of his people. And God's spoken to us so much already, but God wants to minister to each and every one of us this morning, each and every one of us, regardless of who we are, our journey with the Lord, our age, our background, it doesn't matter. God wants to minister to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Do you know the Lord wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness? And the promise is that when we do that, that he will fill us. And uh, we had Stuart speak last week, and it's great to have Stuart and Jenny here again with us this morning. But uh, the, the word of the Lord that came to us last week through Stuart was not to be lukewarm. Yeah. Oh, God forbid that we would be lukewarm in our relationship with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, John the Baptist, he said, he said, there's one, one coming after me. He said, and I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, but he will fill you with the Holy Spirit and with Amen. fire. Yeah, Amen. Yes. And all oh, that we are filled with the fire of God. Yes. Hallelujah. So we'll be salt and we'll be light yes. in a dark world. Mm. So that the, the word that the Lord has given me this morning to share It's called finishing the race. Finishing the race. You know, there's a saying, isn't there, that says it's not how you start a race that counts, it's how you finish. And God wants us to finish the race that he's called it to because the Christian life is likened to a race. We're not in competition with each other. But it's a race marked out for us that God gives us. So if you have your Bibles, please, can you turn to Hebrews chapter 12? It's in the New Testament. If you're not sure where it is, please have a look at the index in the front. Okay, never be afraid of looking up where a book is. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 1 to 3, but we're going to concentrate this morning just on verse 1. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, some version says, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, as I partner with you now, Father, I ask that you fill my mouth with words from heaven and from God himself. Lord God, let it be none of me and let it be all of you, Holy Spirit. And as we look into the powerful, mighty, never-changing word of God, I pray, Holy Spirit, may you challenge us, may you convict us, may you inspire us, may you encourage us, and may you change us with ever-increasing glory into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when we meet together, the Holy Spirit wants to move and he is moving and he's here. Hallelujah. So I hope you're expectant today. I hope you've come hungry and I hope you're expecting that God is going to speak to you because he wants to speak to each and every one of us because he's transforming us and he's changing us from glory to glory to glory into the image of Jesus, his precious son. Hallelujah. And that's why we're so, and that's why we're light. Because salt stops the rot and light dispels darkness. Amen. And that's what we're like when we move out into the community. We are salt and we are light. And Jesus wants to use us each and every day in every situation that we face. Time is short. Jesus is coming back soon. Hallelujah. There is much for us to do. So let's delve into Hebrews 12 and see what the Lord wants to say to us. Amen. So verse 1 then says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses? Well, actually, Jesus tells us it's in Hebrews 11. So Hebrews 11, if you're not familiar with it, is the great faith chapter. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is about faith. And it starts off actually telling us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's like I know, I know, I know what God has said and I'm standing on the promises of God. And then it goes on to tell us in verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to please God. Amen. Amen. For me to live is Christ. Hallelujah. And I want to please God every single day. And then the rest of the chapter is all about men and women who exercise their faith and put it into practice. So we get to hear about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and the prophets. And then the Apostle Paul said, he said, I don't even have time to tell you, he said in his letter, about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jethro and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions and routed foreign armies. So those men and women saw great victories. But then Paul also goes on to tell us about those who were martyred for their faith. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They were destitute. They were persecuted. They were mistreated. It says they wandered about in deserts and they lived in caves and holes in the ground. But they were all commended for their faith in God. Hallelujah. They were courageous. 
They were courageous. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, one day we are going to be standing with heroes of the faith at the resurrection. Hallelujah. We are going to be standing next to those heroes of the faith. And in heaven, do you know the great thing is that we will know them. Amen. We will know them and we'll be able to talk to them. Now, I don't know about you, I want to talk to all of them. Amen. But, you know, I want to ask them like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, how did you feel when you saw that fiery furnace and you were tied and you knew you were going to be thrown in? And to Daniel, Daniel, how did you feel when you were thrown into that lion's den? You know, I don't know about you, but I I, I just want to talk to them. But, you know, I I think there could be a cue. But, you know, I don't know about you, but but I have a saying that I've heard, which says, ladies first. (laughs) Have any of the ladies heard that saying? I'm sure that's in Proverbs 33. (laughs) But, you know, any of the ladies want to join me? Effie, we're going to come with you. Hallelujah. Amen. I see those hands. So, gentlemen, you're going to have to be patient. (laughs) But don't worry, because we've got eternity. Amen. Amen. So, you know, church, if we're going to finish this race, finish this race of faith, and that is what God has called us to do, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Because God wants us to not only finish, but he wants us to finish well. And he has given us everything we need to finish well. Hallelujah. He's given us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live for Christ. We have everything we need to finish the race. But the Bible tells us what we should do. And it says that we need to throw off everything that hinders. Everything. The New King James says, lay aside every weight. Now, you know, it's hard to run well when you're carrying a weight. Isn't it? The Good News Version says everything that gets in the way. Now, what does it mean to hinder? It means to obstruct, impede or delay. Now, I would say don't allow anything in your life to impede you, to delay you, to obstruct you in following Jesus. Do you know, many things can hinder us. In our race. Because we're all in a race. And many things can hinder us. And you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's good to do a spiritual checkup. Just like we do a physical checkup. And how important that is. But do a a spiritual checkup. I mean, I think, you know, am I nearer to Jesus now than I was six months ago? A year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, regardless of how long you've been in the faith, am I, am I moving forward or am I going back? Was I once on fire for God, but now I'm just indifferent and pathetic and lukewarm? Because you see, if we're not moving forward, we'll go back. 
And we have to be careful sometimes in, in our faith that we start so well, but then other things just crowd in and we start to go lukewarm. God wasn't, doesn't want us. He hasn't called us to be lukewarm. He's called us to be on fire Amen. for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, if you're taking notes, says, examine yourselves, test yourselves to see, are you in the faith? The Amplified says, evaluate, evaluate where you're off. It's good to do this with God because God always wants to take us on. He has plans and a purpose and a destiny written over us. The very moment, even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, he knew you and every day ordained for you was written in his book before ever one of them came into being. Hallelujah. God has numbered the heads of your head and he has got a plan and he has got a purpose and he has got a destiny. But are you pursuing it? Or have you allowed things of the world to just distract you? Because the enemy loves it when that happens. True. Do you know, it says this in Galatians 5, 7. Paul says, you were running a good race. You were doing so well in the faith. But who hindered you? Who cut in on you and stopped you obeying the truth? He said, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. You see, God has called you. He has called you. And so that's why we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, Amen. the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because that will stop us from getting right. distracted. Amen. Do you know if the enemy thinks he can hinder you, he will. He will. He's had lots of practice. He watches us. And we can allow anything to hinder us. It can be a hobby. It can be a house. It can be a car. It can be a relationship. It can be anything at all that can hinder us. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 9. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I don't really hear that preached very much. But that's what Jesus said. He said, deny yourself. He said, you take up your cross. He said, and you follow me. And we do that every single day, Jesus said. We need to do it every day. Because it says this, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it if a man were to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his very self? You know, Jesus never hid the cost of discipleship. He never hid it in the word. And I want to tell you, you can gain everything in this life, whether it's fame, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's possessions. You can gain it all. You can gain it all and yet lose your very soul for the whole of eternity. And this life is just but a vapour compared with eternity. How tragic, how tragic that that can happen to us. But it can, it can. You know, I want to guarantee that when you're prepared and when you're willing, 
to deny yourself and lay down your own will, your own dreams, your own hopes, your own agenda, and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I absolutely guarantee you, church today, you will save your life and you will find your life. Hallelujah. God is no man's debtor and his way is the best way. And when we prepare to do his will and to go his way and to follow after him, I want to tell you this, you will be slap bang in the centre of God's will and there is nowhere else on earth that you'd rather be. Nowhere else on earth that you would rather be than slap bang in the centre of the will of God. I've proved that in my life. I really have. When God called me back to Soli Hall and I was in the southwest, God said so clearly to me, I should never forget it. He said, I've called you and I've called you and I've called you. If you don't go now, I will not call you again. And he meant it. He meant it. I knew he meant it. I was like, I'll go, I'll go. (laughs) But I could have easily lost being in the will of God and the plan of God just through my own disobedience. That's the key. God is patient with us. But you know, I tell you what, you say no to God, he'll find somebody who will. Amen, he will. He will find somebody else who will say, yes, Lord, send me, I'll go. I don't want to miss out. So is there a who or a what in our lives that hinders our walk or race? The who could be ungodly friendships. It could even be a romantic relationship with somebody you're not married to. Put God first. God has the best for you. He really does. God has the best for you. And there'll be, you know, it's worth waiting for that. Amen. Amen. The what can be the love of money. It can be, as I said, a hobby, a career. It can be a house. It could be anything that takes centre stage in our lives over the Lord Jesus. And hasn't God already said that to us this morning? Jesus be the centre of it all. Jesus be the centre of my life. You never fail when Jesus is at the centre of our lives. And that's exactly where he wants to be. You know, Lord means supreme master. It means supreme master. And Jesus is my supreme master. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that he is. So the Bible tells us to throw off anything and everything that hinders our race. And I think it would be good if you say to the Lord, you know, Lord, is there anything in my life that is hindering my walk? Is there anything that's hindering my race? Because you're not here by accident. And you know, the Holy Spirit, he convicts us. Why? Because he wants to change us and make us more like Jesus because he has a work for us all to do. And he sees how the enemy will try and put situations and people and things in our way to try and trip us up and distract us. Don't allow anything to distract you from seeking after Jesus. Amen. So let's move on now. So we've looked at things that hinder us. What, what about the sin 
that entangles us or ensnares us. That's just what sin does, doesn't it? Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, he was very direct. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Now, Jesus had just been talking to the crowds about not using their eyes for lustful purposes. So Jesus wasn't telling people to literally gouge their eyes out or literally cut off their hands. But what he was saying is, whatever it is that is causing you to sin, take drastic measure to get that thing out of your life. Deal with it. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying, is deal with it. Now, I just want to say that none of us here are perfect. None of us here are perfect. True? We won't be this side of glory. And we do sin in word and in thought and in deed. But the more we walk with the Lord and the longer we walk with the Lord, do you know, God wants to change us into his image. You know, we don't become sinless, but we should sin less. Yeah, because that's what it means to be holy. And Jesus said, be holy. God said, be holy because I am holy. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So if our desire is to be holy in word, thought and deed, the Holy Spirit will help us. Amen. Amen. He will. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He will help you. Okay, but we have to do our part. Amen. When we do our part, God will do his part. And repentance is more than just being sorry. Repentance is, Lord Jesus, you set me free from this. And I'm going to walk this way now. Where I was walking this way, I'm going to walk this way. And I want to be holy. And I want to be righteous. Amen. Amen. And God will help us. And we will change. We will change. The Holy Spirit will change us. And that is a process. But God wants us to make spiritual progress. All of us, regardless of how long we've walked with the Lord. Listen to this scripture in Job 17. It says, the righteous will hold to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. Wow, I love that scripture. So when there's that purity and that holiness, okay, We'll grow stronger. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Wow, what a promise. So the righteous, we grow in our relationship with the Lord just as the rising sun gets brighter and brighter as the day progresses. Hallelujah. No wonder you could look at a Christian and their face is radiant with the glory of God. Yeah, amen. And that, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Amen. But our faces radiate. Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The exact same Spirit, hallelujah, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He lives in you and he lives in you and he lives in you. The exact same Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. By goodness, we should be different. There is something dramatically wrong if we are no different. There really is. We're salt and we are light. Hallelujah. 
Galatians 5.16 says, Live by the Spirit. You won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. It's not a one-off experience. It's a daily experience. But God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit when we spend time with him in the morning. Oh, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. And And that just back up what Vienna said in that word this morning. So the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and I won't go through them now, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, and it's joy, and it's peace, and it's patience, and it's kindness, and it's goodness, and it's faithfulness, and it's gentleness, and it's self-control, and against such things there is no law. And it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So let's throw off everything that hinders. We crucify our fleshy nature We deny ourselves, we take up our cross daily, and then we can run unfettered. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, that we can run our race. Hallelujah. And we're not fettered and we're not weighed down and we're not trying to carry all of these things. But we can run and run and run in what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Oh, I hope you're excited. If not, I'm excited. And then lastly, it says we run with perseverance. So perseverance, that just means persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. You know, perseverance takes effort. It really does. It says here in James 1-2, this is quite a well-known scripture if you've walked with the Lord a while, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Oh, my goodness me. I think we consider it a lot of things before we consider it joy. But then it says this. Because, because, there's a because. So the the scripture's telling us why we should consider it joy. Listen to this. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Get this. And perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh, hallelujah. God wants us to be mature and complete. And that is going to happen through perseverance. We all want to be mature and complete, but we don't want to go through the trials. But you know, sometimes the trials are the making of us because trials will either make you bitter or they'll make you better. And I have proved that in my life over and over and over again. Because then the Holy Spirit works on us like a potter working on a piece of clay. Amen. And we don't like the trials who does. But they, that they sometimes are the ones that they change us. When we're in the valley, when we're going through it, and we don't understand what is happening. The Holy Spirit is always working. We sing it, don't we? Even when we don't feel it and we don't, we don't see it, God is working on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, and he's making us into fiery Homes that he can work through. Hallelujah. Because our house is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then listen to this. 
Verse 12 goes on to say this in James 1. Blessed is the man and woman who perseveres under trial. Because get this church, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What a promise when you're going through it. God has a crown for you. Hallelujah. Do you know, it's easy to follow Jesus when everything's going well. But when you hit a crisis, and we all do in life, and you feel like the bottom has dropped out of your world, I want to tell you that God hasn't, and he's there holding you up. Amen. He's there holding you up. How do I know that? Because in Deuteronomy 33, it says the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. God has everlasting arms and they are there holding you up regardless of what you face, regardless of the challenges, regardless of the trials, regardless of what you're going through at this moment. God is there holding you up. And I want to tell you, he will never, ever drop you. He won't let you go. He will not let you go. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your stronghold. He is your hiding place. He is your strong tower. He is God Almighty and he loves you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Whoa, wow. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And don't they just? Arva could tell us a lot about that. (laughs) Going into strict training. My goodness, their diet has to be just so. When they're going out... You know, they're there, aren't they? They've been training. They are prepared. They've got the right gear on. And they are there at the starting line. And they are ready. Do you know, we watched some of it last night, didn't we? Was it the World Championships? Because Arthur's very into athletics. So if he's home, it's usually that or Formula One or football that's on TV. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. So anyway, so we'd got this on. And um, there was a race. Was it the 60... 60 metres, the men's 60 metres, okay? So they were all there. They were all ultra, ultra fit, as you can imagine. And the guy that won it, he won it by, guess, get this, three thousandths of a second. That was the difference between first and second. Three thousandths of a second. It took them a while to come back. They were all stood there because like, it was like they didn't know who'd won because it was so close. Now, like I say, you know, we are not in competition with each other. Okay, let me just say that. It doesn't work like that. We each have a race to win. You can't run anyone else's race for them, and they can't run your race for you. We all have an individual race. But it says here, everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Oh, eternity. Hallelujah. You know, athletes at the Olympics, they have one goal, and that's go for gold. That's why they're there. They've sacrificed. They've trained. They've done everything they can, and their aim is gold. 
that's their aim. It's gold. That's their vision. That's their dream. They eat it. They sleep it. They train gold. You know, we don't run for a wreath for our heads or a medal around our neck. But we do it for a crown Amen. that will last for all eternity. Amen. Don't allow yourself to be distracted, detoured, delayed. Instead, be determined, yes. diligent and disciplined. You know, I've got a couple more scriptures, but I just want to read this for you before I do. I've shared this before, but many will not have heard it. This was written by a young Zimbabwean pastor. And this was found in his drawer. And this pastor had been brutally executed for his faith. But this, what I'm going to read now, was found in his drawer. This is what he said, only a young man. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, lay up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, colourless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, to be first, to be recognised, to be praised, to be regarded or to be rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience and uplifted by prayer and I labour with power. My life is set, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my real companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy or wander in a maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and, the, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognising me. My banner will be clear. Wow. Hallelujah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. One last scripture. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 7 to 8. He said, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, 
and I've kept the faith. And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Church, one day we're going to stand in the throne room of God with the heroes of the faith. With countless angels, seraphim, cherubim, and Christians down the ages who love God. We're going to be there one day, one day, one day. And there's a crown of righteousness waiting for you. Amen.